Hey everybody, it's me, Luke Lore, the insipid ghost, and you're listening to the most horsepowerful podcast on the internet. It's the Xbox Drive. Normally I'd be on a Skype call with my good friend Sean Capri, the man from twitch.tv slash Sean Capri, but he couldn't be here due to technical difficulties, so you're going to be riding along with me in this episode 102 of the Xbox Drive. Ball. Greater than X. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 102 of the Xbox Drive. It is fantastic to have you guys along for the ride here. Again, I do want to say I'm sorry Sean couldn't be with us, but if you'll jump back in the back of the car, hop on in for this Xbox Drive. We'll carpool together, just you and me, talking about a number of things coming out of Cologne, Germany with Gamescom. Uh, Many major Xbox titles being announced for Xbox Game Pass, and indeed, the pillars of Xbox being discussed a number of times over. Let us begin this week's discussion with Gears of War 5. Gears 5 campaign and horde mode were revealed in two separate events over at Gamescom 2019, with Inside Xbox debuting the horde mode. Gears 5 Horde mode, showing us kind of the new and improved version of Horde that began in Gears of War 2 and kind of iterated in 3, Judgment, and 4, uh, making its debut and showing us kind of what it's going to have to offer in Gears 5. And the truth is, it was pretty darn impressive. Uh, now, I'll tell you right now, not specific to Horde mode, but just, just to the entire game, that color palette is gorgeous. The blues, the lighting, the shadows. Uh, it's certainly a new, more vibrant Gears of War than we have come to know in the first few iterations. And Horde mode seemed to kind of show that in spades as we saw this trailer go through forward. We saw a number of different characters being played uh, more as hero characters, similar to like, you know, you choose a character and they have abilities that can kind of go with them specifically. Very anxious to see how that plays out when the game proper launches. I really enjoyed seeing Jackbot. Uh, Jack the Robot from the previous Gears titles kind of making a new appearance and perhaps being used uh, in Gears of War 5. Hint. It was referenced in the prequel novel, so who knows? Uh, But it was nice to see Jack out there doing damage, damage to enemies, taking over enemies, uh, and really being part of the team. And one of the things that I like about that is it stressed the accessibility of this title. And they talked about how you could be, you know, a super elite Gears player and probably make use of a number of more complicated measures uh, that each character can offer. But... There's a lot more accessible and approachable characters, one of them being Jack, uh, that are easier to use and, you know, allow other people to kind of enter the game and experience Gears of War and Horde mode um, without some of the pressures that can come with a PvP environment or trying to get through a campaign. Just jumping into Horde and trying things out, trying different abilities, uh, they seem to make a, a concerted effort to bring more people into the franchise. I thought that was really cool to see. The campaign debut uh, with Cat's trailer there. Uh, Incredible music. Super cool to see some of the directions they're taking the Gears of War franchise. For those who are are versed in the extended lore, they're talking about the Trinity of the Worms, the... The, the previous Locust Gods, they're talking about a number of different things, references to previous characters from the Gears of War 2 campaign. Now, something for the ultra nerds, you know, like myself, who, who dive in and really try to flesh out the experience of what it can be to be a Gears of War fan. And then others who just enjoy the games from time to time are going to get a number of things, maybe alluded to, but, but a lot of uh, approachability in the story as well. One of the things they've talked about is allowing people to enter the franchise uh, and have a a start-to-finish experience and not feel lost along the way. And I think that's a a huge thing that 
it makes a big difference when you've got a title that's numbered as the fifth entry. It can be a little imposing to people, and that might even be why they titled uh, Halo 6 as Halo Infinite, if indeed it's considered that. Uh, and so I think it's it's wise for them to create a, a closed-off, you know, beginning-to-end story that ties into a greater universe with things that are there for those who are, who are ultra-nerds like myself. Uh, and then, you know, stuff for just the casual fan who wants to jump in, they see it on Game Pass, and they move right on. Uh, Game Pass is something we bring up a number of times on this show uh, per episode, and for, we're going to be doing it again. Game Pass Ultimate members can play Gears 5 and have an access to a number of characters outside the Gears franchise. Terminator 2 DLC we'd already seen, but announced at this Gamescom, you can play with two characters from Halo Reach. Bungie's last effort with the Halo franchise uh, brought us Halo Reach, and that is one of the best Halo campaigns, if not the best, and I'm saying it, it's my personal favorite uh, Halo title. Emil and Kat will be joining the multiplayer experience, fully rendered, uh, voice acted by the original actors, which I thought was really cool, but they're going to be existing in the Gears universe, and it was really cool to see Halo characters in Halo Spartan armor uh, shooting Gears of War weapons. I found that to be super cool. Each of them have unique abilities that come from the Halo-verse that are going to be existing within the Gears-verse, and I think that's really, really cool to see. Uh, the multiplayer Gears-verse, I should say. Uh, but like the bubble shield, something that's quintessentially Halo, throwing down that bubble shield and protecting yourself. Well, well Emil gets that. That's super cool to see. Uh, so I really like that. And Rod Ferguson has alluded to the fact that they're not done showing us these characters that could be coming from uh, places that are outside of the Gears of War franchise. That makes me excited. One of the things I often talk about is how much I enjoy when when brands and games cross-pollinate and respect each other's work and, and, and include references to it, whether it's something as, as uh, sleek and sly as having a Shovel Knight in the background of your game or you know, bringing in a full Halo level to your Forza title. I would love to see them continue to... to to bring in other franchises uh, specific to Xbox, really. I'd love to see, you know, allusions and references to something like maybe Jade Empire or State of Decay or just anything kind of deeper within there. Maybe you're, you've are you got a, a level set in the Fable universe. That would be kind of cool. I like when, when developers are kind of cut loose to play in each other's worlds for just a little bit and, and see what each one has to offer. Something I'd like to see more of within the Xbox ecosystem, particularly as the discussion of Xbox exclusives uh, now approaches with a new kind of twist in fate in that we're seeing, you know, Ori hitting the Switch, Cuphead's on the Switch, and now we're heading news that maybe Xbox doesn't want to do that as much with its exclusive franchises. Um, getting some conflicting reports, or rather not conflicting reports, I should rephrase that, mixed messaging. We're seeing xCloud, we're seeing uh, the Xbox brands want to be in other places, cross-play enabled, be there for everybody, and then we're kind of getting scuttlebutt that maybe they don't want to keep doing that with the lead-in towards Scarlet, and it makes me wonder, quite quite seriously, uh, is this to appease certain fan bases who are scared of exclusives going away? Is it to appease shareholders? Are they trying to hedge their bets ahead of Scarlet? Uh, and the answer is probably all of the above. They are a company after all. The truth is, I would imagine we see uh, some brands, you know, go into other places and others kind of stay close to home. Uh, Gears of War 5, I should say, is going to be hitting Steam. We've got news that Gears is going to be hitting Steam. Not some tragic thing. I think it's actually a great thing. Um, a lot of the PC players don't use the Windows Store. And if we can bring Gears of War 
uh, and that brand recognition of that Xbox Game Studio splash screen to more gamers and more people are able to jump in and play and enjoy why not do that? More screens out there is more opportunity to spread awareness for what it is you're trying to sell. And that's just consumer, you know, capitalist approach. But more than that, and, and more, I should suppose the spirit of what I'm trying to say is I love Gears of War. I love a number of games that exist in, in closed off ecosystems. The idea that more people could play it that makes me happy. That makes me excited. The idea that when Call of Duty comes out, it reads my input device's controller and suddenly I can be playing with the trophy room uh, in, in a Call of Duty match. I love that idea. I love that idea. And so the idea that, you know, we see gears on Steam doesn't scare me. I don't think it's a, a drastic, terrifying thing. I mean, we have Halo on PC and we celebrate that. And I would like to continue celebrating franchises and games that hit multiple platforms. Something to be worthwhile there. Something worthwhile for sure. I mentioned Halo, and I'm going to keep kind of going on that train. We're talking about some of the downer, perhaps sad news, but perhaps not, you know, raise the klaxon alarms. Halo Infinite's creative director, Tim Longo, uh, has left the project. He's left Halo Infinite. Now, whether he was dismissed or or left is, is a moot point. Is this something that we should be worried about? Todd Oxtra now writes in and says, After Halo 4's struggle with story, does this worry you with over a year before launch? Uh, I always wondered if Halo and Gears could retain their magic even after the original creators and studios left. Two games in, and so far, I think they haven't. Well, those are Todd Oxford's words, and Todd, I will respectfully disagree with you, my friend. Uh, I think Gears of War, to speak to Gears' content, uh, we've seen some good Gears games, man. I think Coalition did a great job with Gears of War 4. There's a lot of content still there um, that people are enjoying, particularly with it being on Games with Gold. I think Gears 4 is fantastic. Gears Judgment, I it's a good game. Uh, it's not a numbered uh, numerical sequel to Gears 3, but there's a lot of stuff going on in it. Uh, it sheds light on, on some of the ways that the Gears of War franchise could have gone, did go, some things are borrowed from it. But the truth is, I think absolutely, you should you should celebrate the fact that Halo 4 and, and Gears of War 4 exist post their create you know post their creators leaving halo 4 is fantastic that's a fantastic video game it looks all the better on xbox one but it was gorgeous gorgeous on xbox 360 at the time 343 did a great job with it the story was solid i thought halo 4 was uh exceptional and halo 5 you know for all is said and done the multiplayer is absolutely to be celebrated that was a fantastic set of multiplayer uh suite that 343 put together uh and moreover the story was was decent. I would give you it's decent. It wasn't what we were promised, and that I think quite appropriately frustrated people. But it was a decent story, and so I would disagree with you, Todd. I think uh, it's not necessarily the end of the world to see a creative director leave or, or a creator of a franchise leave, and it be held in the stewards of other people. We see Star Wars doing a you know much better job in the hands of others than perhaps it did in George Lucas with his prequel uh, focus. Who knows? Maybe there's somebody out there that loves Phantom Menace. Um, derail anything right there uh, but the truth is I don't think it's a, a, any reason to be terrified or awfully uh, concerned that Halo Infinite's creative director left we've seen a number of games uh, exit uh, or exit people a year out from their launch and they turn out just fine we've also seen the reverse of that so I don't think this is necessarily something to panic over the tuned in people might notice it but I think those who are just seeing hey new Halo game on the shelf you know, I don't think they would notice that. But who knows, man? Maybe a year after launch, we look back and we see the red flags are all laid across the way. But I don't think this is one that we need to freak out for and panic for the franchise over. 
Moving right along, Gears of War Pop will be out on the day that this podcast launches, and you can celebrate playing Gears of War Pop uh, in the mobile space for free. Download it on iTunes and Google Play. Now, I sound like an ad there, and I'm only advertising this to you to tell you that there are achievements in the game. That's right, guys. You log into Xbox Live on your mobile device and play that that Gears Pop, and you can get achievements. I love that. Now, here's why. Here's why. If this is a first step in seeing an Xbox brand venture into mobile space, one, I hope it's good. I'll tell you that. I, it, it needs to be good because uh, those trailers were super cute and then the game doesn't look like what we thought it was. That's not to say it's going to be bad. Who knows if it's going to be good or bad. But I'm excited to see this Xbox ecosystem venturing into another space. As we alluded to in our discussions of Steam and other platforms, I love that Gears Pop is going to be available on mobile, multiple devices, and it can link in and tie into your gamer score, into your Xbox uh, ecosystem. This bodes well, I think, for a potential future that we could see. It also seems to be hedging bets once again. If xCloud isn't what we need it to be right away, isn't what we want it to be right away, we'll have... Uh, Xbox existing in other places and I would hope that Sony follows suit and does this with PlayStation titles Nintendo's done it with a number of their titles as they try to find their appropriate pricing model I think this is important for first-party developers to allow their properties to hit other screen devices that maybe they're not the direct shepherds of but they're able to to allow their brand to to venture into those seas and weather those storms uh, and really come back tempest tossed ready to go That was a killer metaphor, and I just rocked it. Let's move along into more Gamescom news. XO19 will be taking place in London, the UK, on November 14th through the 16th. Now, here's what is so cool about this. Aaron Greenberg's talking about it. He's discussing the fact that XO is coming to London. I'm ecstatic about it. Uh, I loved, loved, loved seeing the inside Xbox that took place at XO18 and in, I believe, Mexico City, where all those fans were celebrating and excited together. And Sean and I got to experience firsthand just how Microsoft treats its fans. We were at FanFest during E3 this year, and we were treated like royalty, like gold from everybody. Everybody was shaking hands, saying hello, taking pictures, glad to have fans there. And, and if more people are able to see that in London, I'm, I'm happy for it, especially a year out from a console launch. It's a smart move. Continue those ventures. Continue allowing uh, more people into that ecosystem to see just how you are, are willing to work for their fandom, for them to celebrate your platform. I think it's a smart move. I think it needs to keep going, keep happening. And we need to continuously see that outreach from Microsoft to its fans in multiple areas demographics, not just the United States, not just North America, but venturing into to other places once again because their footprint, uh, for all intents and purposes, is not nearly as big as Sony, not nearly as big as Nintendo. And I'd like to see Microsoft continue to expand their footprint. Uh, and moreover, if they are going to provide the content and slate that we are, are expecting them to with their recently purchased studios, let that footprint be something that's worthwhile. Seven new titles are coming to Xbox Game Pass as well. Age of Empires hit Definitive Edition hitting Game Pass for PC. Stellaris Game Pass for console. Devil May Cry 5. Guys, that came out this year. AAA title. Some people are calling it their game of the year. Not really my cup of tea, typically. But now that it's there, I can try it without killing my wallet. That's going to be coming to Game Pass for console. Uh, Ape Out Game Pass for PC. Kingdom Come Deliverance Game Pass for console and PC. Bard's Tale 4, the director's cut for Game Pass and uh, console PC, and of course Blair Witch hitting at the end of the month, that's Game Pass, 
console and PC. Guys, I am super excited for Blair Witch and Age of Empires both. I'm also curious about Ape Out, but let me focus on Blair Witch. I'm going to get off on a tangent by accident. Blair Witch, man. Didn't know what this game was. It had echoes of Alan Wake, but then you see the person in the corner and everyone's starting to, to come around. Oh, okay, what is this? Well, who cares about Blair Witch? More and more, more and more, as we approach this date, I find myself getting excited for it. And I think it's because the, the buy-in, the barrier, the, the, the cost barrier has been removed, and I'm allowing myself to get more and more excited. But something about spooky games releasing in this time of year, just ahead of Halloween, I love that. It helps me get me in the mood for the season. I hate when games that are spooky release on Halloween because then you've got like that night to play it, but you're not really gonna do it because what if it's a school night or what if what if you you know don't finish it and then you're playing it on like November fourth and they're like oh it could have been cooler. I like when we lead up to it, so I love that Blair Witch is coming kind of the end of August, beginning September, getting you in the mood for that fall vibe, scary, spooky. Uh, I'm not sure if this is one to stream. I don't know. I'm debating it. Do I stream this one? I, I find that some games are good for streaming. Do I really want to see people freak out? I played a little bit of Outlast on stream, uh, and quite a few jump scares got me good, and I had quite a few people laughing and chuckling at me. We'll see, but I'm glad it's hitting Game Pass, that's for sure. No doubt about it. Solaris is one that, that's a, a 4X game, uh, kind of a space space 4X game simulation that Garrett Bland reviewed for us. Said it was a good game, but complex. Complex. So it held me back, but 4X people uh, seem to like it. Check out Garrett Bland's review of it. He did a uh, he did a, a spot, stoplight review and a video review for us. Check him out over on Twitter, at uh, Bland Explosion. I hope I got that right. That'd be embarrassing if I didn't. Kingdom Come, Kingdom Come Deliverance. That's in that list, and I have not played that. But it's one of those ones that keeps making an appearance. I feel like that's going to be a game that I've got in Game Pass, and I check it out in like January, February. We'll see. You never know. You never know. There's a lot coming this holiday. There's a lot coming this fall that I have my eye on, and I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what I'm skipping, what I'm keeping. I keep going back and forth on a couple titles, but I know obviously my Game Pass games I'm snagging. But do I buy Call of Duty? Do I wait for a sale? Do I buy Borderlands? Do I wait for a sale? I mean, there's a couple others. There's a couple others. Can't talk about some of them just yet. PUBG is coming to support, uh, coming to, oh goodness, great, let me reset that one. PUBG is going to be supported in full crossplay between consoles, joining Call of Duty based on an input device, not necessarily a system. This is a sign of the times. It's a good direction for PUBG, remaining to maintaining their relevance in the gamer space, having crossplay. It's a good option. PUBG wasn't for me, but I loved Blackout and I love the idea that more people are able to play and play together. I love that they're not going to be bound to their plastic box specifically. Uh, and so, great. Awesome. Good stuff. Let's see. Let's, us, you know, guys, I think it's time. I think it's time for just a moment to shift to shift to, to, to a halt here. We're going to make a quick pit stop. Pit stop. Pit stop. We're going to stop for pits. We're going to make a quick pit stop here. Talk about uh, Ori and Cuphead. They're now on the Switch. Do we expect Ori 2 to be a launch title onto the Switch? That's what I want to talk about. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure we do. I love seeing the brand's Ori, the brand Cuphead. I like seeing them in more gamers' hands. They're fantastic platformers, incredible, impeccable art styles. Uh, they are wonderful. More people need to play those games. I love it. Do I, do I expect to see uh, Cuphead 2 or Ori 2 launching day and date on a Switch? I don't think I do. I don't think I do. I know we're going to see the DLC for, for Cuphead. I know that's going to make its way over 
to Switch uh, day and date. But I'm not anticipating Ori 2 to launch right there. I know Microsoft has no plans to release more Xbox exclusives on the PS4 or Nintendo Switch. That, that was their statement. And I'm curious how much that statement is dependent upon xCloud. I'm curious if we see just xCloud launch for Switch or Game Pass launch for Switch. And that's what that's what they're going to use to replace some of the verbiage. But the brand itself, it sounds to me like Microsoft's been honoring previous deals set in place before uh, or that that people they've acquired they're allowing them to continue that brand in in more places they don't actually own studio mdhr they don't own the ip of cuphead to my knowledge i need to look that up Uh, but ori same thing i mean i don't know that we would anticipate seeing ori 2 as a day and date launch title on any other device i expect microsoft to put down the money and keep that that exclusive at least for a timed exclusive for them it's important you know could it have short term uh, could they have a short-term plan to generate revenue from available properties and maybe like long-term they want to keep you in the Scarlet ecosystem on their plastic box? Yes. I think that's your that's your answer right there. They did what they had to do to make ends meet for this generation because it didn't pan out the way they perhaps wanted. And they've nav- navigated that recovery rather successfully. But uh, yeah, I don't anticipate Ori 2 launching into Switch. At least... Yeah, man, how those sales. See, I'm talking myself in and out of this discussion. It's the journey that we often go on on the Xbox Drive. I'm talking myself in and out of this idea. Let me let me know what you guys think. You know, tweet at the Xbox Drive. Uh, let us know what you think. Do, do we see Ori 2 or Cuphead 2 or some of these franchises that are venturing out? Do we see them launch on a Switch? Do we see them launch on an, uh, on another platform uh, in any way, shape, or form other than xCloud? I don't think we do. I don't think we do. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go with today. Who knows? Let us shift uh, again back into drive. We're going to jump in with a carpool. We picked up a few people along the way. Seamus McIsaac, famous Seamus himself, uh, writes in with the question, has a toxic community ever caused you to quit a game or never try a game at all? Hmm, famous Seamus. That's a great question. Toxic communities uh, keeping us from games. Um... I'm sure it has happened, Famous Seamus. I'm sure it has happened uh, in a couple different places uh, throughout my gaming history or gaming career. I know I've been averse to picking up certain titles, whether it was the the latest Call of Duty at a certain time in my life, and I went back and replayed and loved them, but maybe it was, uh, you know, the conversation surrounding a game has been more effective at keeping me away from certain titles. Battlefront 2, I loved Battlefront 2's uh, Starfighter mode. I really enjoyed parts of that campaign. I enjoyed the multiplayer, but the conversation was so negative around it for so long that I ended up probably leaving it a bit prematurely, uh, putting it behind me. I'm a, um, I, sometimes, and to be blunt, sometimes I'm ashamed to say how much I really enjoy Anthem. I really love Anthem. I think there's a lot of good, solid gameplay elements in the Anthem, you know, loot and surrounding conversations notwithstanding. But I think the toxicity that comes with those conversations has kept me from vocalizing some of that enjoyment. Now, sometimes, I, I mean, I, I brave it often. I'll put up a clip, hey, I'm looking like Iron Man today, or I got some, you know, gravity ears, and I, because I enjoy the game, but I definitely get backlash every time I do, and the toxicity around liking a game has actually been more effective at keeping me from sharing some of those thoughts. Uh, and that's happened a lot. Um, that's happened a lot. I'm sure I'm not the only person to to think this about a certain brand or franchise or just, hey, I like this, and then people just jump all over you. Well, it doesn't have this thing, or it's not as good as this thing. And like, that's not the point. The point is I like this. 
I like this game and I want to celebrate it. And I think that's something we often lose sight of in a very polar environment, a polar gaming environment. You like this, therefore you dislike that. That's not really how I operate. Not really how I operate. And I have my own certain tastes uh, with certain games. But, you know, I like Crackdown. I got, I got crapped all over for loving Crackdown. I love Crackdown, not as a 10. I like it for the 6 or 7 that it, that it is, but I had a good time with it. You know, I liked uh, Ace Combat 7 a lot. Nobody really talked about that game. No toxicity, mind you, but nobody really talked about it. I loved it for when I, when I played it, streamed it. Nobody really talked about it. State of Decay 2, love that game, man. 5 million players it just hit. Sea of Thieves, love that game. Great game. Loving those things doesn't mean you're damning uh, yourself or damning Spider-Man or, or God of War or Mario or any other franchise. You can like stuff. You're allowed to like multiple places. Don't let toxicity keep you from it. So I might have twisted your question, Seamus, but I hope I, I did it justice or at the very least acknowledged it to a certain point. Continuing in our carpool, Edward Varnell at the Retro Code, always writing in with good questions. He and Seamus both. Uh, Edward asks us, with Sony acquiring Insomniac, do you think Microsoft is still in a better position than Sony with its new studios? So do we expect that Microsoft's in a better position with first-party studios than Sony is just with their acquisition of Insomniac? Well, let's, let's, take, let's break this down a little bit. Sony acquired Insomniac. Great pickup for Sony. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Insomniac, fantastic developer. Wonderful studio to pick up. They have a proven track record of games that, that are critically and commercially successful. Uh, I know I have a, a lot of love in my heart for Spider-Man and Ratchet and & Clank. Uh, Xbox fans think of Insomniac in this, in this type of conversation. They think about Sunset Overdrive. Um, didn't Sunset Overdrive didn't do it for me. I never really clicked in that in, in that game, but it was a, a well-made, high-polished game that just didn't click for me, whether it was art aesthetic or just the IP approach or maybe just the time of the Xbox uh, One. That, that launch period of the Xbox One was ugly. Um, great pickup by Sony, no doubt about it, and it certainly adds a lot of clout to Sony's portfolio. Sony has done a fantastic job of creating some high-profile uh, titles to fill out its portfolio. Naughty Dog, Sucker Punch, uh, Insomniac, they've all put out great, great exclusives. And Insomniac was pretty much making exclusives for, for Sony. Sunset Overdrive notwithstanding, that's pretty much it. They've been putting out primarily Sony content. So does it change the big picture? No, I don't think it changes the games that you're going to get. Does it change the conversation? Certainly. Certainly, I would not argue that uh, In Exile is on the same level of an Insomniac acquisition, particularly in the wake of Spider-Man PS4. Does it change the conversation? It certainly does. Are they in a better position? Is Microsoft in a better position? Is Sony in a better position? Uh, I think Sony's in a better position given their recent track record. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. That's not to say Xbox is, is any slouch. We don't know what Obsidian's cooking up uh, post-Outer Worlds. We don't know what a number of those studios are working on. We haven't really seen the fruit uh, of the initiative. And we, Gears 5 is going to be our first true AAA experience uh, from this new kind of Game Pass-centric approach. So I think Sony's in a superior position, but I don't think it's some tragic loss to, to gamers everywhere. Um, I'm bummed because I was hoping to see Spider-Man uh, make its way to, to PC and hoping that we see uh, that PS4 character not be locked to an exclusive in maybe the Avengers or we don't see Spider-Man locked to, uh, to the Avengers game that Square Enix has put it out. And I don't know that it will be, but it certainly, you know, you get the idea that it might be. Uh, the bottom line is great pickup for, by 
Sony, no doubt about it. Uh, Microsoft, I hope they made a play. I hope they w- tried to get Insomniac expressed expressed interest and and you know open the wallet to at least make an offer. But we don't know, and there's complexities that go beyond our knowledge. We don't know how damaged that relationship was with Sunset Overdrive. And we'll see. We'll see where it goes. We will see where it goes. But uh, a great pickup by Sony, no doubt. Guys, that is bringing us to about the end of the show. I hope you don't mind me flying solo uh, this week. And, and do indeed reach out to Sean Capri, twitch.tv slash Sean Capri, and at Sean Capri on Twitter. Show him some love because I know he's feeling the frustration of, of when the podcast blues strike, when the the frustrating of just technical difficulties strike, but the man has done an immaculate job of putting together a show from his car for 101, 100 episodes uh, that he's done that we're real, real, real proud of. And so show him some love over on Twitter. Uh, and, you know, maybe say hello to me. I wouldn't mind it. Let me know how I did on this solo, this solo venture for episode 102. Let me know what you thought. At MLS Reserves, uh, over on Mixer at Mixer.com slash ghost. I would love to hear your thoughts. Throw a follow in there. Throw a DM. Uh, love to have you guys uh, around for more. That's it for me. All right. Take care, everybody.